are in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Folks, good afternoon. Right now, the time is, it is actually 107. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of the program on this Wednesday, April 27th at 107. Well, it's brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery. Stop in and see them. 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. You know, they have the big outside deck open. Great place. Full bar, large dining area. Stop it and see them. Enjoy a unique rustic setting. 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. It's the Lodge Pub and Eatery. All right, I want to get you up to speed. There's certainly some developments uh, in, in a story that I, I don't always talk about for different reasons, but it's the Hunter Biden laptop story. And um, Fox News, this is different. Fox News is reporting. <clears throat> and I want to see if other people have this, but Fox News is is actually reporting that that they're they're finding um, that that there's somehow unaccounted for income. So that definitely changes things. When you start getting into that element of it unaccounted for income that that is that's a game changer so to speak um so biden income when you start to get into that financial financial records reveal biden had 5.2 million in unexplained income that doesn't sound positive now right now well, the Daily Mail has it, and I did see something on Fox. Hmm. Unexplained income. Someone put, I'm no math major, but if 5.2 million is 10% for the big guy, that means. <laughs> 5.2 million in unexplained income. Yeah. That's that's worthy of an of an explanation. That is certainly worthy of um, that they're going to have to do something about. To put it mildly, that's certainly not going to go anywhere. Also, um, as far as the war, Putin warns he'll nuke the West. Russia's also cut gas to Poland. Now, uh, Kamala Harris has no symptoms, but she d- is, in fact, tested positive of, of COVID. Can Musk still afford Twitter after Tesla wipeout? Hmm. I, I don't. It, are they doing that poorly? Is Tesla suddenly? Tesla loses one, $126 billion in value amid Musk's Twitter deal funding concern. Tesla lost one, $126 billion in value amid investor concerns that Elon Musk may have to sell shares to fund his $21 billion equity contribution to his $44 billion buyout of Twitter. Hmm. You know, I, I, the guy is still remarkable. And I still think it's positive. And I think it's, um, it's pretty incredible how much the left and certain people are, are flipping out over the fact. Now, I'm going to give you the, the latest now on the war and also the latest on the voting. That it's an interesting development that Secretary of State Nelly Gorbea, and folks, I, I recognize him a little, um, um, a little bit, I don't want to say all over the place. I'm just covering a lot. But this situation regarding now they're claiming they arrested some people or they've been indicted and charging them with um, 
voter fraud. It, it's it's certainly an interesting development, and and especially Nellie Gobea is claiming it was her office that brought it up, where the attorney general's office said that it was a national watchdog group that brought it up. So, and now the Board of Elections will no longer directly answer questions. They go to a spokesperson and lobbyists of network advocacy. Is that what it is? Advocacy Solutions. Um, They did catch three people, but it was other states that caught people of voting more than once because, (laughs) I like that. They say there's no voter fraud. And then they say, well, there were three people. Is that the new zero? Three. When they say zero people, they mean three. <laughs> I like that. Um, all right. I want to, I obviously want to touch on the latest on the war. I just do. I mean, it's because Putin is really, um, he's going all over the edges right now. Putin is... And the threats continue. He can't continue to threaten people like that. He cannot continue. I am hoping Seth Magazine gets elected. I want to thank all Americans for putting Biden in office. I can't tell if he's asleep or awake. And that Harris doesn't frighten anybody. He, um, if anyone meddles, decides to meddle in ongoing events and create unacceptable strategic threats for Russia, they must know our responsibility lightning quick. We have all the instruments for this. No one else can boast of, and we will use them if we have to. So his threats obviously just continue, and something has to be done about that, as a matter of fact. So something needs to be done about Putin and these nuclear threats. You, you can't – how is that peace? Um, it, it, it's hardly peace – if someone like Putin continues to threaten the rest of the world. Let me jump around to a couple different stories. Now, this is interesting. Aspirin's no longer recommended to prevent first heart attack stroke for most adults over 60. How many years did we hear that aspirin was good to take for your health? Let me just hear this. Many, but you say this is long time coming. It's been being debated, Robin, for pretty much 20 years in the world of cardiology. But now the U.S. Preventive Service Task Force making it official, changing their recommendations, but not for everybody. This for a certain group of people, 60 years of age and older, who would be taking this to prevent their first heart attack or stroke. Why? They found the risks in that age group outweigh any of the benefits. And as you've heard me say for about a decade, it's always about risk versus benefits. So very, very important. People under the age of 60, if they are at higher risk, meaning a greater than 10% risk over the next 10 years of having a heart attack or stroke, they should continue. So this is not for everyone, but it does affect almost 29 million people. Okay, so if you're someone waking up this morning and you're about to take that aspirin, Do not discontinue any aspirin regimen unless you have spoken to your physician. Uh, Again, this is something that is for a select group of people. But we have to remember there are benefits Mm -hmm. in certain people. This is not for everyone. So this is not a one size fits all approach. But uh, talk. You know, but that's one of those things that I mean, how, how many people for years have been taking two aspirins every morning? I mean, a lot of it. Oh, let me hear. This is the latest. Dan Abrams breaks down the the Johnny Depp legal case. But he has some challenges here. Right. First of all, he's not even mentioned by name in the op-ed. So that's the first thing that he has to show is that it was clear that this was of and about him. And then the second thing he has to show is that she knew or basically should have known that the allegation was false. So this is not just a question of, is it true? He also has that elevated burden to demonstrate effectively that she knew what she was saying wasn't true. It's a very tough case legally 
for Johnny. He lost a similar defamation case to a British tabloid in 2020. Uh, so how did he do this time? What kind of changes have we seen in strategy? Well, in that case, the burden was even lower in, in England than it is here. And in that case, a judge ruled that, that the judge believed that he was a, quote, wife beater. And he wasn't allowed to appeal the case in London. He, decided, he testified in that case for days in that case as well. And after he lost that case, he decided, I'm going to file another case, this one in the United States. And this time, instead of suing a publication, remember, he didn't sue the Washington Post here. He's suing her here. He had sued the son in, in England. So, you know, this is, this is tough stuff uh, for him. And, it, you know, a lot of people are asking, why did he do this? Well, why trying, is he filing this? He's trying to paint her as the aggressor now. How does she respond? Well, she responds by her response is that that's not true, that he was the aggressor. And look, there's been a lot of ugly testimony about Johnny Depp, regardless of what you think about him. There's been a lot of testimony about his drinking, about his drug use, about his misbehavior on the sets. There have been videos introduced of him sort of lashing out in what appears to be an intoxicated state. I mean, so, so this has been ugly for Johnny Depp, but he would say, okay, yes, I did some of that stuff, but that doesn't mean that I'm a uh, domestic abuser. But seeking $50 million in damages, what's his argument for that kind of sum? Right, and that's why there's a lot of talk in court right now about what was happening to his career before this article was written. Meaning Amber Heard's team is bringing in a lot of evidence to say his career was tanking well before this article even happened. And as a result, what are these major damages you're suggesting? Amber Heard's team basically saying, don't blame us for the fact that your career was heading down because it wasn't because of this article, it was because of your behavior on the sets, it was because of your drinking problems, etc. So the potential damages, and remember, first there's liability, then the issue of damages, a separate question. This is ugly. It, it's really ugly. It really is. All right. That is, um, and also, well, this is another uh, Tim Dodd story, but I want to hear more details emerge from the newly released evidence of the rush shooting, including Alec, Baldwin's interview with authorities. I want to hear this. Captures the horror and the confusion on the set of Rust and the questions in the months that followed. You were in the room when the lady went the Okay. More shocking details emerging from that mountain of evidence unloaded by the Santa Fe County Sheriff's Office. My only question is, am I being charged with something? No, we're just viewing. Video showing Alec Baldwin inside the interview room before he's questioned by authorities just hours after the fatal shooting on the Rust set on the phone with his wife. Investigators showing him the bullet pulled from director Joel Souza's shoulder. That's a bullet. Somebody put a live round in the gun. And at the end of his hour-long interview, Baldwin receiving the heartbreaking news that cinematographer Helena Hutchins has died. I do have some very unfortunate news to tell you. Um, she didn't make it. Days later, while detectives are still collecting evidence from the scene, one of them received a phone call from Baldwin. What I'm wondering is, if I'm going to be charged with something, me personally, if I'm going to be charged with something, how do I find out about the court charges? And in text messages in December, Baldwin expressing his frustration to the film's prop master, Sarah Zachary. The sheriff's department still will not tell me that I won't be charged with something, but they seem to be getting very close to the truth of what happened. Zachary reassuring him, texting back, I don't think they'll say that you have any culpability. It just seems so unlikely. We're now six months into this ongoing investigation, and the sheriff says they still haven't ruled out the possibility of charges against anyone. No. Oh. Again, folks, it was so, so avoidable, this business of having... What was the point of of having, why did you have to have the, the live real ammunition on the set? Well, folks, good afternoon. Right now it's 1.20. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. I, I can't believe how much there's still fallout over the whole Elon Musk taking over Twitter and how much that has just shifted everything and the amount of news that it continues to generate this portion of the john DePietro show at 121 on this wednesday on this wednesday april 27th is brought to you by it's my health we had a good time there on saturday marie did the uh tremendous job with different guests that she had as far as the health energy it's my health 10 9-
1979, Menden Road in Cumberland, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. And remember, inside, you have vitamins and herbal remedies from trusted companies, local products, over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices, hemp and CBD products, natural skincare products. Folks, it's my health. Pop in and see them because it's your health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. As always, I encourage you to visit the website, depetro.com, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com. And don't forget, depetro.com, which is brought to you by Surplus Provisions. Remember, for all kinds of quality military surplus, tactical gear, survival gear, it's also um, friendly for women. Surplus Provisions. Pontiac Avenue in Cranston. Pop in and see them. I want to get the uh, the latest now, as the, the war doesn't seem to be anywhere near ending. And now you have Russia is retaliating against allies of Ukraine, like Poland and Bul- Bulgaria. I want to um, hear a little bit of this. The Russians occupied more than 100 villages here in the Kyiv region, and this morning we're at one of those villages where the regional police are looking through what is left for potential bodies and unexploded mines as Russia made new moves overnight. Overnight, a drastic move. Russia cutting all gas deliveries to Bulgaria and Poland to NATO members. This comes after Putin's ultimatum last month, demanding that, quote, unfriendly nations pay for gas in Russian rubles. Poland's prime minister not backing down, saying we will be able to protect our economy, protect our households, and polls against such a dramatic step by Russia. This latest escalation coming just one day after officials from more than 40 nations, including the U.S., met in Germany to discuss future arms shipments for Ukraine in its fight against Russia. The top general in the U.S. saying that Russia's invasion of Ukraine is a threat that has not been seen in decades. This is the greatest challenge to the security of Europe since the end of World War II. In Moscow, Vladimir Putin meeting with United Nations Secretary General, where Putin said that an agreement had been reached in principle for the U.N. and the Red Cross to evacuate civilians from the Azovstal steel plant in Mariupol. Previous agreements to evacuate those civilians have repeatedly failed. And despite this agreement, the fighting in the east increasing. The Donbass region, now the front line of the war, as Ukrainian forces fight to hold on to the region as the Russian offensive intensifies. To the west of Donbass, in the city of Zaporizhia, these videos circulating online show explosions after a missile strike on an aluminum plant. And to the south, near the coastal city of Odessa, this video posted online showing smoke pouring into the sky after a strike on a strategic bridge. Workers rushing to repair the damage this morning. And concerns that the conflict will move beyond Ukraine's borders as tensions brew in Transnistria, a Russian-backed breakaway region in Moldova on Ukraine's southwestern border. Local officials reporting explosions have destroyed two Soviet-era radio towers. And Ukrainian officials fear potential false flag attacks there could be used as an excuse to send Russian troops stationed in the region over the border into western Ukraine. And back here in the village of Moshun, the work continues, and we are told that most of the main roads here in this region have been cleared of mines, but they have now been focusing on these smaller streets and the villages. And one day of fighting, we are told, leads to one month of demining. Oh. Folks, again, uh, they have been slow on this, meaning the Biden team I don't know if we're gaining ground or it, it, it's tough. I know that uh, Secretary Lloyd Austin said that Defense Secretary, the, the longer this goes on, you know, we're weakening Russia. But he he cannot be allowed to continue to make these kinds of threats. It, it's as simple as that. They cannot be allowed to continue to make these types of threats. Right now, it's 125. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. I, I also don't understand. I, I don't know why all these people are so fearful about Elon Musk in, um, in taking over Twitter. It's, uh, listen, you know, a lot of these social media platforms, I heard something over the weekend. I think it was on Meet the Press where they were, they were saying that, or maybe it was on uh, Howard Kurtz, Reliable Sources, that, we're in the early stages that we're going to look back on this area of social media almost the way when people look at that, you know, you had cars with no seatbelts. They used to have, um, you know, kids sitting up on their, their uh, Audio tape. Oh, the kids sitting on their lap, that all the drinking and driving, that at some point they need to reel in 
um, some of the everything that's happening. Some of it is growing pains, but something needs to be done. But it is amazing how much some of the Democrats are just, and it is Democrats that are flipping out over Elon Musk. Now, this business of Kamala Harris and being treated with testing again for, for COVID, even though, and how about the fact that doc, there's Dr. Ja from Brown University right there at the White House. But I want to hear it's this. It's important to note here that her team says she is asymptomatic and that she is working from home. But she is now the highest ranking person in this administration, the second in line to the presidency to test positive for COVID. The White House says they are doing everything they can to keep President Biden safe. This morning, Vice President Kamala Harris at home in isolation. Her aide saying she's exhibiting no symptoms after testing positive for COVID. She is boosted, actually twice boosted. Um, We have a very, very contagious variant out there. A spokeswoman tweeting that after consultation with her physicians, the vice president is taking Pexlovid, a therapeutic drug typically prescribed to anyone with a high risk of developing complications. When asked why she's eligible, aides pointed to CDC guidance showing people over 50 are at higher risk for severe illness. New White House COVID czar Dr. Ashish Jha saying many may qualify and not realize it. If you get COVID, you should see a provider and make that assessment with your provider. Um, a lot more people are eligible and ben- would benefit than I think people think. Harris spent the past week in Los Angeles. She returned to the White House yesterday morning, seen here removing her mask as she exited her motorcade. Inside the West Wing, sources tell ABC News she took a test as part of her regular testing protocol. Soon after that, the positive result. Aides say she is not considered a close contact to President Biden. They hadn't seen each other in person since the Easter egg roll over a week ago. The White House adamant they take every precaution to keep the president safe, but there are no guarantees. Is it just a matter of time that the president could get COVID? I wouldn't say it's just a matter of time, but of course it is possible that the president, like any other American, could get COVID. The bottom line is he is vaccinated and boosted. And now a new report from the CDC finds most Americans have been infected by the virus at least once, fueled most recently by that Omicron surge. By February, about 58% of Americans and 75% of children under 17 had detectable antibodies. But doctors warn, don't get complacent. That protection might not last. So look, the White House says they go above and beyond here in terms of trying to keep leaders safe. Anyone who is with the president is tested. They often are still wearing masks. They are staying socially distant. But in terms of these large crowds and exposures, he's the president. He attends these large events. And today, later this morning, he's going to be attending and speaking at the funeral for former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright. There will be some 1,400 people there. But TJ, the White House says, look, he makes risk assessments just like we all do, just like every American does, determining what they want to attend and how they'll stay safe. Yeah, it's been a part of life now past couple of years or so you think well yes and no i mean not everyone has done that this business that everyone is making their own decisions a lot of the decisions have been forced on people folks good afternoon right now it's 129 and you're listening to the john DePetro show on am 1380 and 99.9 fm this portion of our program folks don't forget Ron's Pastry Gourmet. They're open right now. Make it a great day. Make it Ron's Pastry Gourmet. 170 Royal Little Drive in Providence. Everything is baked fresh, delicious calzones. They're open till 2 o'clock. Ron's Pastry Gourmet. They're right next to AAA in Providence. So I want to kind of get up to speed a little bit on uh, some of the headlines. And we certainly, um, I, I mentioned earlier that there's some crime cases in um, in Massachusetts that are certainly making news. The big local news kind of with law enforcement is that Darnell Weaver has been named the first black leader of the Rhode Island State Police. He will be sworn in on he's going to be sworn in on Friday by Rhode Island Governor Dan McKee. Um, let's see. Diane Wilkerson takes step step toward run for her former state senate seat that will certainly make it that will certainly make it interesting to say the very least she gets back into the into the picture but but nationally folks now again yesterday the countdown is on i mean today is wednesday april 27th so you know 
Sunday is May 1st. And when you start to get into, I mean, you have May, June. As soon as you hit July, the, the primary for Rhode Island voting is Tuesday, September 13th is the primary. So the clock is ticking for a lot of these campaigns and what exactly they're going to they're going to do when it comes to it, it's just not as easy to stand out as some people think um i'm seeing in the valley breeze mayor lombardi says he's running again expects years more of no tax increases he is um you know the people in north providence are lucky to have him. I think it, I go back to it is interesting how it seems that Mayor Johnston has broken off from, from Rhode Island Governor Dan McKee. I also want to credit in the Valley Breeze how my former colleague Eileen Violet, look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's a bamboozle. That is exactly right. That whole, whatever you want to call it, 111 Westminster. Um, Superman building. That guy already got his money back. I, I say no way. And, and I think, I believe that when things get really serious and then they start to hear from groups that want to support it, that's when I think some of the people against it are going to step into action a little bit more. At least that's what I think is going to happen. I think right now, a lot of people are, they're not happy about it, but there just doesn't seem to be any reason to make a lot of noise about it. So, because I know in our first hour, Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe said he was talking to someone and uh, who, who's in the mix with that whole project. And they, they said they expected more of the, as they call them, like the pitchfork group, where they expected much more you know, opposition coming their way about it. But I, I I think that it's just a matter of people, you know, sitting back a little bit, that that there, there will be something like that. There's going to be pushback on that. I just don't think it's, I think, you know, until there's like a, a Providence City Council meeting or something like that, that things are really going to kick in. Now, I also see homeless advocates protest outside Governor McKee's office due to the looming crisis, not on the night outside. So I'll tell you, that group, led by, you know, Matt Brown and the collaborative and activists from the Rhode Island Homeless Advocacy Project, uh, Direct Action Dare, went up there uh, and, and continued to Go after Governor McKee and protest, and and I I recognize some of the individuals that are involved up there, but uh, this this whole business that they want state money for for all of this housing, something that I've kind of talked about. You, you, no one no one ever mentions all these people question whatever happened to all the low income housing. But I'll tell you, the part that they never address, the part they never address is the fact that a lot of apartments, as someone that, you know, I lived in Providence in the 80s, and there were families living in low-income apartments. But now, you'll have 8 to 10 illegals living in an apartment. And a huge number of people living on a triple-decker, where they, they even have curtains on the windows and in the basement. And they're all through the house. And the, the fact is that they, no one addresses, where, where do they, all the low-income housing, where do they think the illegals are living? All of this question is if, you know, what has happened and where's all the, the low-income housing and how come, the, what happened to it all? Well, it's not like those places are vacant, but it's a question of who's living, who's living in those. And, and if you are, you know, a single mother and you're trying to get a two or three bedroom apartment because you have some children, you you can't compete with a family of eight from Guatemala 
who can afford and will pay, you know, they put all their money into rent. So as far as, you know, what happened to all the the low-income housing, I, I don't think it's a, a full mystery. About, I mean, they never acknowledge it, though. The, the proponents of illegal immigration, the fact that Providence is allowed to operate as a sanctuary city, Rhode Island is a sanctuary state, they, they never acknowledge some of the negative aspects to it. That's one thing about the progressives, folks, is they, you know, they, they'll just, they just won't answer. They decide not to answer. There's, there's many downsides to it. And, and one of the downsides um, to illegal immigration is, of course, then where are those people going to live? So they're taking up a lot of those places. Folks, this portion of our program is brought to you by Brothers Disposal. Come on, brother. Call Brothers Disposal today. Get a purple dumpster in your driveway. If you're doing some spring cleaning, whether your home or your garage, Brothers Disposal, 401 401-688-0517. Brothers Disposal. And then now offering weekly trash collection services. But here's what I'd like. If you want to clean out your home or your basement or your attic, get rid of some of those unwanted belongings, you want Brothers Disposal. Call them today. 401-688-0517. Come on, brother. Call Brothers Disposal. They'll deliver it right to your home or business a nice purple dumpster, and then they'll come and take it away when you're done with it. Brothers Disposal. It's much easier to get rid of unwanted blowings when you have that dumpster run in the driveway. Whether it's for a weekend or for a week or a month or maybe you're doing a small household construction project, Brothers Disposal, 401-688-0517. Call Brother Roland. Come on, brother. Look for them on Facebook. It's Brothers Disposal. Folks, right now at 138, you are listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. I want to get back to um, uh, the situation with the war. But I also want to get to this piece about Kevin McCarthy, who I don't know if he's going to be the next speaker. I'm not sure if he's going to be the next speaker. Let me hear this piece about... Um, George, this audio tape go. is an extraordinary window into the unease and anxiety in the country after January 6th. And you can hear the anguish in Republican leader Kevin McCarthy's voice as he worries about more violence and the Republicans, he fears, are fueling it. Republican leader Kevin McCarthy is facing blowback from fellow Republicans who say he needs to explain what he said on newly revealed audio tape from the days after the January 6th attack on the Capitol. In a phone call with other Republican leaders just four days after the attack on the Capitol, McCarthy expressed deep concern about the possibility of more violence. Tension is too high. The country is too crazy. I do not want to look back and think we the audio recording obtained by New York Times reporters Jonathan Martin and Alex Burns for their upcoming book, This Will Not Pass, shows that McCarthy was worried that some of his own colleagues, Republican members of Congress, were inciting violence. This is serious stuff people are doing that has to stop. And for our members, have got to start paying He mentions Republican Congressman Matt Gates saying he was going to call him to tell him to knock off the incendiary rhetoric. I'm calling Gates. I'm explaining to him this is serious. Cut this out. It was a concern also shared on the call by the number two Republican in the House, Steve Scalise. Potentially illegal. What are you doing? Well, he's putting people in jeopardy. McCarthy was so concerned he asked why Twitter, which had recently banned Donald Trump, couldn't ban some of his fellow Republican House members who he believed were inciting violence. In response, Congressman Gates put out a statement overnight saying this is the behavior of weak men, not leaders. McCarthy was rightly concerned about the possibility of more violence, but at the suggestion you hear on that tape, George, that Twitter ban fellow Republicans, that will be extremely controversial among uh, the Republican conference in the House, and more than any of the revelations that have come out so far could complicate his efforts to become uh, the next Speaker what of the House. Notice the Times that he's actually in trouble for expressing concern that, as you point out, was a concern that just about everybody in the country shared at that time. Entirely legitimate concern. John Carl. Thanks very much. Folks, again, uh, as far as Kevin McCarthy, there was a guest that was on Meet the Press April 17th.
The House GOP will have a hard time governing with a slim majority. Okay, it's very hard to govern if we're under 230 seats, knowing we've got the MTG element that's really not part of a governing majority. So they need, I want to play this sound. I, this is, um, so they need, and, and that sounds about right. They need a real blowout in order to, uh, about Kevin McCarthy and whether or not, because the reason why this matters is that he's going to, um, people like Bob Lancia and also former Cranston Mayor Alan Fung, they're going to be repeatedly asked about if they're, and they were asked yesterday, Mayor Fung, are you going to vote for, um, and I want to play some of Mayor Fung yesterday, um, are you going to vote for Kevin McCarthy as Speaker? But I want to hear this Representative Upton that uh, he kind of lays it out pretty well. With the right call. It's a lot easier to win an election by running against somebody than being for anything. But isn't this what's wrong with our politics? Yeah, you have to be for something. And I think what Kevin has done, eight or nine different working groups and a whole bunch of different subjects, whether it be high tech or China or deficit or, you know, energy, is a good thing. And I was around. Remember, I was Newt's deputy whip, one of his deputy whips back in 94. That's when we came up with the contract with America. That was the huge effort. We didn't say we were going to necessarily pass them, but it was going to be an agenda item for the next 100 days. I, I didn't actually vote for all of them, but I signed the contract that we ought to have a debate, and some of them became law. Can Kevin McCarthy uh, both represent you and Marjorie Taylor Greene? can if he gets the margin. <laughs> That's why this over-under number is so important. Are we going to be over-under 230? If it's under 230... You, don't think it, you it think be, he may not become Speaker if it's under it 230? It will be right? very hard to govern for Republicans if we're under 230, knowing that we've got the MTG element that's uh, really not a part of a governing... You know, that is... Um that's a really so they what they're saying is they need a complete blowout. Although I'll say this, folks, right now at one forty three on this Wednesday, un, unless something changes, this is just going to be in a complete blowout. And something that I don't think gets highlighted enough is th- this whole business of you know whether it be Mayor Fung or Bob Lancia, folks. We don't have representation in Washington when the Republicans are about to take over. If you're listening right now, Cumberland or Lincoln, Cicilline is, Congressman Cicilline is one of the most partisan members, you know, in Washington. One of the most partisan members in Washington. So, in in other words, um, you know, you, you get, you just, we, we are not represented Rhode Island is not in Massachusetts, by the way, the same thing. Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut. The whole question, I think a big argument from Mayor Fung, and I want to play. So he spoke to the media yesterday. Um, I'm not sure what was the intention of, I, I don't know what to make of it. They They want to limit his questioning with the media i mean some of it i get a lot of it i i don't fully understand just because i i think he's more than up to it so but i want to hear and then we were all jumbled together kind of like upstairs and then i'm looking at it the 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 q a was less than five minutes and i'm not sure just how good the here we go. So this is Mayor Fung yesterday. That's what this campaign's about. As you saw the energy in the room, a lot of people were uh, excited with the positive remarks that we're putting forward. That's what I'm looking to take on in Washington, D.C. Mayor, you said you were trying to take the partisanship. You know, assuming you win the primary, you're going to get hit with uh, the Trump hat picture and uh, that you're going to support Donald Trump and people like him. What do you think of Donald Trump? Do you want his endorsement? Support from the people in the second congressional district. You know why the Democrats 
is going to be rolling out that picture because they're scared. They're scared. They're not focused on you know what's on the minds of the voters in the second congressional district. They're worried about you know the, the one of these scare tactics like that photo, you know, like uh, the you know, Republican Party. Well, I'm standing strong, asking the people to support me, and I'm going to have people in this district that we saw out there that are you know uh, some supporters, but most importantly, we also have. So, folks, that's how it went um, yesterday at the Fung announcement. I do have that uh, on the Facebook page. Good afternoon. Right now, it's 1250. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. I think he actually did pretty well. There was a lot jammed in there. Um, it was a it was a little, it was a different strategy to have. We were upstairs. Then he was, like, cornered. Against the rail, um, I don't. I, I, again, it was fluid, and then he also then wanted to go and mingle with a lot of the people that had gathered. So, 
I think the idea was, you know, why don't we, why don't we, you know, have him talk quickly to the media and then, and then he could then be free to then go and talk with the different people. I'm also curious now, the, the, um, the candidate running Republican for governor, Ashley Kalis, she's a new ad out and she's in a boxing ring. And the name of it, this spot is Fighter. And here's what it sounds like. Gotta be tough as nails. Ashley Kalis was driven to achieve. Today, Kalis is still fueled by that same hope, grit, and determination. A mother of three school-aged boys and successful business owner who ran testing and vaccination sites across the state. Kalis is the fighter Rhode Island needs right now because it's time for a change. Ashley Kalis for governor. You know, so I posted on Facebook, on the Facebook page, Sean DiPietro Show, what do you um, think of the commercial? Let's see. And here are some of the comments. I've heard she's anti-mandate, but the fact she was running those vaccine sites irks me. Huh. Uh, Someone else put, I agree with that. But what about the commercial? (laughs) So they don't like the fact that they mention that she ran those testing sites. I think that's interesting. Someone else put, that makes me nervous, too. Uh, Never heard of it before. We'll have to research. Need to find out what business she has, how involved with vaccine. Another vaccine question. Uh, Where are the facts? What does she, in fact, want to fight for? Who is she going to fight for? We all know R.I. needs change. What kind of change? This video does nothing for me until I hear her talk specifics. Uh, if she, it doesn't talk about her platform. I'm still unsure. Affordable housing when the market dicks. Is she putting more developments in? Will she condemn mandates in critical race theory? I don't care about lunches and dinners. Or fight against. Hmm. Let's see. Another person. Where has she been up until now? She was in Pawtucket at a trivia night last night where... My friends and I go every week all glammed up, totally out of place, campaigning, trying to blend in with the rest of us common folk. <laughs> While she may have run campaigns for, she's not actually been the one to work work with and for the people of our state, to my knowledge. I think this is shallow. While I'm a Trump supporter, uh, there's an R, doesn't mean anything. I tried at least lead, read one of her full-color, double-sided flyers she handed out. Couldn't get past the third sentence where she was running on the vaccine. Um, I wish normal people enough were able to afford to run. It all boils down to money. Um, hmm. Another person, middle-aged, attractive woman who's a Republican. She has my vote. She doesn't seem to be anti-mandate. Hmm, that comes up again. Uh, she was running vaccine sites. Does she really have Rhode Island's best interest? Another person, I love it. She's an amazing person. I've had the pleasure to meet with a few times. She has to change that Rhode Island need. She's a tough cookie. Not on board with the running of vac sites, says someone else. Didn't know she ran vac sites. Was going to vote for her. Was. I don't like it, says another person. I get the point of playing the word fight, but not really appropriate for the position she's running for. Eric says, I like it. It's different, memorable. I think a lot of people were in a fight against the most radical. Corey says she's got my vote. Um, she needs to release something stating her platform and her ideology, says Greg. Specifics are necessary. Well, again, it's a 30-second spot. Uh, I thought this was a promo for the Contender TV show. <laughs> I'd like to know her platform. Again, you, it's, you can't do a platform in 30 seconds. What is her ideology? Great ad, says someone else. Uh, let's see. If she's a vaccine mask person, she's all right. So then they're not. You know, I I think um, my first thought on this is she successfully ran the and and you can comment. She let me just see. I think I also posted it here. 
She um, very, very proud of the work that she's done. And her, her and her husband made a fortune on the um, vaccination sites. The problem is she's running as a Republican. Here's some more comments. I love it. Love it, love. I went to her headquarters, was telling her to run an ad like this. Love or hate it, it gets attention which she needs, says Steve. Ooh, nice. As Rhode Island's retired pro fight myself, I like the angle. We need to come train at the gym with me, says another person. Terrible, says Jenny. She just admitted she ran the sights that killed and continue to kill people. I call that murder. Uh, running for governor these days know the truth. Only truth matters. Um, it's good. Is she a Republican or Democrat? Writes Mark Pappas. I think that's one of the things that she's going for. I, I, um, you know, a lot of this is then going to come down to, as much as these people may object, when it comes to the election in November, are they going to sit at the sidelines or are they going to go and vote? I don't know what the answer to that is. I don't know what the answer to that is. Because there are people who will say, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to sit this one out. I'm not, I will not go and vote. There, there, there are people like that. And then the people that do that, then you are going to end up. I'll say this. If, if, if the people that vote Republican, if the Trump crowd, if they're that upset and then stay at home and don't vote, then you're, you're going to end up with a Democrat governor, period. The only way that she can pull this off is if she runs a perfect, really, and I'm not saying it's fair, but she needs to run a perfect race for a variety of reasons. But if if the Trump crowd is serious and they stay on the sidelines and they do not go out and vote, that only helps the Democrat running. Um whether people like it or not. And they may not think it, you know, I know people say it's not fear. You you have to look at you have to look at who's on the ballot. Period. And I, I fully recognize a lot of people, they don't like that. But that's that's what it is. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery. Stop it and see them. 40 Bricktick Hill Road in Lincoln. They're waiting for you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery. So it's one fifty nine. Coming up, you're going to hear the 2 o'clock news. And then it'll be the John Dion program. We're back at 11 tomorrow. I will be doing Facebook later. And, and also... Um, something to remember is this Friday, we're going to, they're going to have the swearing in of the new head of the Rhode Island State Police. Listen, enjoy this Wednesday. We're back on the radio tomorrow at 11. Visit the website to WNRI, Winsocket.